Father, this morning, please speak to us. Please show us, Lord, your word. Speak to us and invite us into just coming together and, and reading of your word, that there may not be any distractions, anything that is taking us away. For these couple minutes, Lord, we ask that you will be with us. This is our humble prayer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're actually going through a series called Psalms for the Summer. And if you recall, the first psalm that we saw was Psalm 1. In it, we saw that the psalmist presents to us two paths, two ways of being human. One that leads towards flourishing and the other one that leads to suffering. And what we saw is that both destinies are connected to their respective ways according to one's movement, either drawing us closer to God or distancing ourselves from God. And the way to draw us closer to God, according to the psalmist, is through Haggah, the Hebrew word to meditate. That's the way how we draw closer to God. As we meditate on the scriptures, and so we become a tree of life. Because everything that we are and everything that we perceive, everything that we're constantly studying as we are meditating God's word, we're letting God's word be part of our being. There is an embodiment that is happening in a transformation that is happening. And so what is the result? The result of that is that we become a tree of life and a blessing to the world. And now we turn to Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is this beautiful, famous poem of David that talks about the attributes of God. And that is that God is the creator. He is the one who created all things. And it shouldn't surprise us that David in this psalm talks about creation. After all, if you remember, uh, the book of Psalm is an emulation to the Torah. So Psalms 1 to Psalms 41 is the first book. And when we say that it's an emulation to the Torah, what we mean is that within the book of Psalms, Psalms is divided within five books, just like the Torah. Very interesting. Because within this book of Psalms, the first set of books, the first books, uh, Psalms 1 to Psalms 41, it is like the book of Genesis. The next book is like recounting the Exodus and so on and so forth. So within the book of Psalms is a retelling, a recapitulation of the Torah, of what Moses is talking about and of David and the prophets and the poets, what they're telling us about the history of the book of Israel. And so we see that in this story, which falls, what Psalms 8? falls within the first book, uh, chapter 1, and 
to chapter 41. It's still in the first book. So it should not surprise us that this, since it's falling within this context, within this chapter, is going to talk about something in the book of Genesis, which is about creation. And so we see the story of creation taking place, and David begins this psalm with what he saw. And what is what David saw? Psalms 8, verse 1. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Let's go to verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars. Let's pause there for a moment. When David saw the moon and the stars, the heavens, what does he see? He sees the glory of God. But he sees also not just the glory of God, but he sees the power of God. And and he sees this powerful God who is the creator of all things, the moon, the stars. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of a famous hymn by Isaac Watts, written in the mid-1600s. The title, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. Look what what Isaac Watts wrote. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowering seeds abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at God's command. Hmm. And all the stars obey. Wow. That's the power of God. That's the grandeur of God. And over the centuries, people have looked to the heavens and they have marveled. They have seen the heavens. They have seen the stars. Sometimes uh, I was having a, 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 a lookout outside and I was with someone and I said, hey, look at that star. And that person pointed to me and said, that's not a star. That's actually a planet. That's Venus. And I said, what? That looks like a star. But when we look, when we look at all, all of these grandeurs, you know, even driving back from prayer meeting on, on Tuesday night, and I see that nice, beautiful uh, sky, that artist, you know, God is an artist. That beautiful creation, that beautiful way of the stars, the clouds just coming into phase, the moon. And then you see, and there, you, and if you see it, don't miss it. Eight, around 8.30 tonight, don't miss it. And you see it on the, uh, on just as you're driving from the east, going to the west. You see this nice, beautiful, pink, uh, orange type of, 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 of just what a spectacular sky. And this is what it's talking about. This is, this is what it's talking about. But then also um, there's others that when they look at the heavens and they look at the, at the sky, they, they say, well, um, God didn't create that. 
that created itself. There's a book out there called The Grand Design. That was written by British theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking. And he writes in his book, Because there is a law such as gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing. The universe created itself. That's what, basically what he's saying. The, book, the, the universe created itself, therefore you don't have to believe in God. That's what he's saying. But, but if you think about this, why did he write the book in the first place? Because there's others, many others, that don't believe what he's writing. There's many others who know the truth and they know that God is the creator and that he created all things. That's the reason why he has to write this book. But so when David sees the heavens, what he sees is the glory and the magnitude and the majesty of God because he created all things with his fingers. Now think about this. He created all things with his fingers. It says, verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars. It doesn't mention there a hand. It doesn't mention an arm. It says, with his fingers. So think about this. Let's just, just, just think about this. God created all these things with his fingers. If our galaxy... The Milky Way was the size of North America. Then our entire solar system would be the size of a cup. And the earth would be barely visible, a kind of speck inside of a cup. And we know that the Milky Way is one of at least 100 billion galaxies that we can see. And if all of that he cre- this, this, this is so tiny compared to what God has done. And God created all these things with his fingers. Whoa. How does that make you feel? No wonder David starts and ends this psalm with praise and song and just its majesty. He says, wow. No wonder, no wonder He starts this psalm, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Because he sees himself and then he sees all that God has created. He sees the vastness and he sees everything that has transpired. And there's nothing else that he can possibly say and contain himself to say, man, who am I compared to all of these things? That God has created. But see, the main burden of this passage is about how God made us. This is not just simply a Genesis account of creation. The main burden of this passage is about how God made us and what his relationship is to us. So this is not just relating the creation story. Notice with me the progression that's taking place. First, he, he shows the grandeur, the majesty, the glory, the power of God. And now, verse 4, 
He says, what is man that you are mindful of him and that the son of man that you visit him? And this is not a philosophical question as much as it is a rhetorical question. He's, this is not a philosophical class. They're saying, what is man? This, this, he, 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 this is the context. He, he sees the stars. He sees the heavens. He sees the glory of God. He sees everything in all the grandeur, all the splendor, the power of God. And he can't help it but to say, what is man? What is man that you might be mindful of him? When I look at all this, who are we? We are nothing. We're just a tiny little speck. And, and, and so then this brings a whole different set of questions. Does God care about me? If I'm so tiny, so insignificant, there is little me right there. Just little me right there. With all my problems, with all my tribulations, with all my sufferings, with my joys, with my happiness, with my troubles. There's little me right there. Does God see me? Does God care about me? Because we live in a secular culture that says that we are here by accident. We live in a secular culture, and I, w- I was just talking about uh, w- with someone who told me that uh, uh, most of our young people, as they are going uh, to school, one of the requirements that they have to, to take in their class in order for them to graduate is an evolution class. And, and so they have to take this class in order for them to graduate. And she, I, I, she was telling me uh, the, the story, and 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 so she can't she can't get off of that class, or otherwise she can't graduate. So what do we do with with all of these situations that are happening around us? They go against our beliefs. They go against what we perceive and what we stand. How do we even find meaning in this world? With that it's telling and, and it's feeding us through all of these information. It's, feel, it's feeding us all these ideas about God. They're going contrary to Scripture. How do we find meaning without God? It's nearly impossible. It's nearly impossible. Because what creates meaning and purpose in my life It's not just knowing that God created me, but knowing that I have been created in the image of God. What creates meaning, what creates purpose, what creates uh, in me a desire to continue on is knowing that God created me with a purpose. And what David learns and what he shows us is that God does care for us. Look at verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him and that the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the, the works of your hands. 
you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the, the paths of the sea. And then he ends, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So how do I know that God cares about me? Because you see, our original, original plan. Do you see all these words from verse 4 to verse 8? It's a rec- recapitulation of the Genesis account. God's original plan, He made us to have glory. He made us to have honor. He made us to have a crown. He made us to have dominion, rulership. He is talking about the garden city. He's talking about our original plan of what we were designed originally to be. To wear a crown. To be rulers. To have dominion. To have power. So how do I know that God cares about me? Verse 4 says, that is, what is man that you have made him mindful of him and that the son of man that you visited him. In, in this version, which is the King James Version, says that you have visited him. Other versions say other words. I don't, I don't remember what's the other word, but in the King James it says that you have visited him. And you only visit those that you care. You won't visit anybody who you don't care about. And God says, who is, who, who, David says, who, who are you? That you are mindful of me, that you visit him. That you visit him. What are we that you visit us? Do you remember the story of Zacharias in Luke chapter 1? Let's go to Luke chapter 1. The story of Zacharias. The angel of the Lord appears to him. And as he is appearing to him, the angel of the Lord tells Zacharias, you're going to have a son. Right? And then what is Zacharias' response? When he says, no, I am not, you, I am not going to have a son. Yes, you're going to bear a son, Zacharias. But I am, I am a person. I am an old age. I'm advanced in age. And what does the angel of the Lord says? Verse 20. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And do you remember what happened after, after, after the event went to pass and the child was born? The first words that come out of Zacharias' mouth, verse 68, go with me, verse 68, Luke 1, 68. The first words that Zachariah says is, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. The first words that come out of Zechariah's mouth. For he has visited and redeemed his people. So how do I know that God cares about me? God is not a distant God. 
God is not a God who just stands idly and stands in the distance, but God sent His Son, Jesus. He visited us. Why? To redeem His people. So, to redeem His people. So, think about this. You might think, well, Pastor Skip, verse 2. No, I didn't skip, I didn't skip verse 2. I left it for the last part. Think about this. Verse 2, did you know that verse 2 is the only verse in this chapter that Jesus actually quoted? Verse 2 is the only verse in this chapter that Jesus actually quoted. And the whole context of this is in Matthew chapter 21. Go with me to Matthew 21, verse 14. So how is God going to deal with the curse of sin and evil? And this might look a little bit different than what you might think. Are we there there? Matthew 21, verse 14. Do you remember this story? Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you remember this story? This is the week before the crucifixion. What do we call this? Anybody? No. Nope. Yes, the Passion Week. They have the palms out there and they're, they're singing Hosanna. And look what it says. Verse 16. And, and, and he said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, and here's the, here's, the, here's the verse. And have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Verse 2 is, out of the mouth of babes and the nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies. That you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Who is the avenger? He is the enemy that comes and puts us down. He is the one who tells us that we are unworthy. But how do we know that God really, truly cares for us? That He's not just sitting in the, in the throne. That He's not just out there. And that we're out here suffering. How do we know that? Because He sent His Son, Jesus. And how does He fight battle? How does He fight the curse of sin? How does He, find, how does he fight the, 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 the curse of evil? By sending His Son, Jesus. And before showing strength, showing, showing humility. All those people that were there in the palms, waving their hands and stuff. All those people that were there were people that Jesus has healed. All those people that were praising, they were singing Hosanna. All those people that were, they, they were, they were singing for joy were all the people that Jesus had healed. All the, the religious leaders, all the scribes, all the Pharisees, they were indignant. They were upset that Jesus was doing that. So how does Jesus, how does God fight, how does God fight the curse of sin? Not through might, even though he can, but with humility, with humility. And look, and look at the end of this psalm. 
And this is where I want to leave us this morning. What Psalm 8 teaches us is that God is the creator of all things. But he's not just the creator of all things. But he is one that is intimately concerned for our well-being. He cares so much for us, even right there where we are this morning. He cares so much for us that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. The beautiful God of the universe, the God of the universe, the, the God that creates beautiful things is an intimate God that cares about me. We are not an accident. We were created in the image of God. And God entered the world and he died to redeem it because he loves us so much. He didn't stay distant. He didn't, he didn't uh, stay away. But he came into the world and he died for us. So as modern Christians, how does this apply to my life? As I'm going through the currents of this secular world and as I'm going through all of these di- different bombardments of secularism, of idealism, social factors that we are constantly seeing as we are going around, we can be certain that we have been created in the image of God that God loves us. We can believe it and we can live it. So what is the invitation for us this morning? The invitation is to live a life of purpose and to know that we're here not by accident, but because God created us. And because God created us, we are important to Him. We matter what we're going through, through our grief, through our pain, even right now, through everything that we are being exposed to, God cares for us. And we can bank on that. We can take that with us. We can take that home with us. We don't need to live in doubt and pain and the stress because Jesus brings the hope. Yes, He's a God of creation. Yes, He's a God that is all-powerful. He's the God that created all these things. Yes, but He's also my God. He's also your God. And He's intimately concerned with everything that we do. Everything that we do. So not for a moment not for a moment. Don't let it sink into your mind that God doesn't care about you because that's what the other voice wants you to to hear. So if you're experiencing doubt this morning, if you're experiencing loneliness, whatever it is that you're experiencing this morning, accept the invitation of God. Accept His calling. Do not be and let this world bog you down with all the lies, with all the untruthfulness. And let God be the rulership and the king of your life.
And if you do that, if you do that, you will live a life with purpose and a life with meaning. And so that is the invitation for this morning. Shall we stand? And as we are singing our last hymn, I wanted to do, I know that most of our kids this morning or this week or next week are going to school. And so as we, we sing this last hymn, which is Sim 88, once we finish singing the hymn, I want to do a special invitation for the parents and for the kids, and I want you all to come here forward because we want to have a special prayer for our kids for protection this year. As they're going into school, we want to do a special prayer for our kids. So let's go ahead and sing our last hymn and then go from there to our prayer. This is really special. This is really special because we want to be intentional about consecrating our kids and our family to the Lord. There's so many temptations, so many, so many trials that they're going through as young kids. And, and, and this is so special to just see families gather together and just committing them and consecrating them to the Lord. So as we are, let's just bow our heads and we pray. Our Father in heaven, we are consecrating these kids and these families to you this morning, Lord. And we are asking, Lord, that you will bless them this school year as they are facing all of these different situations. There's also some excitement with the new classes, the new materials. There's also uh, just different things that they're going to be exposed to. But Lord, we ask that you will protect them. Lord, please be with each, each member uh, this morning, every, every, every young adult, every teenager, every uh, parent this morning, Lord. We are asking, Lord, and we are committing them in your protection, in your care, because you care for us. And we know that you will see us through, even though we go through different situations in our lives. And as we go through this rest of the year, we might have real difficult encounters. But Lord, our Lord, how magnificent and how excellent is your name in all the earth. Because we know that you will be with us and you will guide us. So Lord, we, we, we put all these families in your, in your hands. And we ask that you will protect them and keep them safe. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you and wishing you all a good school year.